How does that level of accountability drive your level of sense of responsibility to finish things? Well, you know, I realized a long time ago that you can have a whole lot of plans in your heart and unless you express those plans, they ain't going nowhere. Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living. Hey guys, it's RJ Senior from Ultra Habits and it is season two, episode three with Australian legend, Pat Farmer. Now, Pat is a former politician, not your traditional politician, I must say. He was a disruptor of the status quo and really represented the agenda of the people. We talk a little bit about that in the show. But Pat is really known for being a badass ultra-endurance athlete. The man has crossed a multitude of terrains across all seven continents. And we talked before his 1,000 miles to light run, which he does with Dean Carnassus and a few other ultra-endurance athletes as they run to bring and shine the light on mental health issues and how relevant that conversation is through this COVID piece. And we also dive into that as well. Now, this conversation is all about willpower and increasing our capacity to do shit, the hard stuff. And how do we do that? So the conversation that we're going to leave you with is one that will help you shape your will and hopefully give you insight into how to grow it as a muscle. Anyways, we're going to leave you with Pat. And as always, please rate this podcast. If you haven't done so, go to www.ultrahabits.co, sign up. You will get some cool shit to you weekly. Anyways, we leave you in the capable hands of Pat. Peace out. Enjoy the conversation. I'm out of here. Thanks for joining us, Pat, on the Ultra Habits show. It's been a long time chasing you around on email, and I finally got you here. So we welcome you, and we are super grateful that you're giving us your time today. Yeah, look, it's my pleasure, and I'm sorry that I've been so hard to, to capture, but uh, you know, my priority has been with this latest run that I'm trying to set up, that I'm trying to make happen, something I'm absolutely passionate about, and that is uh, trying to support youth mental health. Uh, and so, um, you know, what happens with me is I get involved in a project, um, uh, another run, uh, and then I just immerse myself 100% in that and try and block a whole lot of other stuff out. So uh, I apologize for that. I know this is very much uh, a part of what I'm trying to do as well, and that is getting the message out to as many people as possible about ultra habits. You are typically Australian in the sense you come across as the quiet achiever. Uh, it's always interesting when I'm talking to my American counterparts. I'm American, obviously, and uh, we do love our self-promotion and you do have a very quiet way about you. And so... Uh, not really grateful you're here yeah i think in australia we have uh, of course we have this thing called tall poppy syndrome and it goes right back to the early uh, the early settlers where if you if you talked yourself up if you promoted yourself too much um uh the crowds would drag you back down again you didn't they didn't want you to be uh anything that they couldn't aspire to 
which I, I actually love the American system, uh, you know, um, where we admire people that achieve great things and are very successful. I admire that and we talk, and they talk it up a lot in the States. Uh, in Australia, we're very bashful and very quiet about our achievements and in a lot of, for a lot of reasons, our achievements aren't known to the rest of the world as a result of that. Uh, it's just the way we are, it's just the way it is. But um, yeah, you know, I can see advantages to both. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I've been across the ultra community for a while and I actually never heard of you. It took a conversation with Charlie Engel, who obviously was supposed to be with you guys on the run to really understand and learn about who the hell you are. And I found out that you actually live in the same neck of the woods as I do. So, yeah, well, well, first of all, um, I'll just say one thing about Charlie. Poor Charlie's going through a, a very difficult time. Uh, right at this point in time, his wife is very, very sick with uh, with cancer, and uh, so he's by her side. He was supposed to be with us on this journey, which was a run from Broken Hill to Byron Bay, uh, one thousand miles, uh, one thousand miles, a uh, uh, um, hundred miles a day, one hundred and sixty kilometres per day, every single day running relay from from Broken Hill through to Byron Bay. Uh, that in itself was a morphed event. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be across the whole of Australia, which is what Charlie and I do best anyway, go across whole countries. Uh, and it was going to be from Broome in Western Australia through to, through to uh, Byron Bay, so right on the west coast of Australia through to the east coast of Australia, approximately 5,000 kilometres. Uh, and we were going to come down through the red centre of Australia, down through Alice Springs and continue on. But then when COVID really took a hold of uh, the nation and the state premiers started shutting off borders, I thought it was best to mitigate the, 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 the problems by consolidating everything in one state so that I didn't have to deal with multiple state border closures. And so ever since then, it has been a, a moving feast of changing uh, event venues uh, uh, just basically being fluid on the whole situation so that we can at least get an event up. And uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, Charlie had to pull out. Uh, I understand that totally. Um, uh, a fellow by the name of Shan Riggs uh, took Charlie's place. Uh, so Shan is a, a great ultra runner from or a great runner from the US uh, and uh, a, a great guy to boot as well. So he's a uh, He's taken over that place. The other three Americans, of course, are Dean Carnese. Uh, then there is um, Katie Visco. Katie's famous for having run from Darwin to Adelaide just a couple of years ago uh, prior to COVID kicking in. So she was keen to get back to Australia. She made a short documentary about that. And then the other one is Samantha Pruitt. Samantha Pruitt is, uh, um, promotes herself very well. She has her own ultra page and uh, she does a, a lot of ultra running in the Western States. So Sam's out here as well. And they're all in quarantine at this point in time at Sydney Hotel. Uh, they, they finish uh, early next week. They're quarantining a two-week period, which is mandatory in Australia for anyone that comes in from outside. Yeah, it's uh, you guys are doing it for a cause too, correct? Not just a cause. Look, uh, as, um, as you may have researched, 
all of the runs I've done since the old Sydney to Melbourne races, which were made famous by Cliff Young with the Westfield run, one of the biggest ultras in the world back in its day, back in the late 1980s, um, all of the runs since then that I've done, whether it be the race across America for the, the, uh, from California to New York, whether it was the run around the whole of Australia for our Centenary Federation, whether it was from the top of Australia to the bottom of Australia for Diabetes Australia, whether it was the run from North Pole to South Pole for the International Red Cross or length of Vietnam for International Red Cross or Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, Palestine, etc., etc., whether it was any of those, I've always looked for an altruistic cause. I've always looked for something beyond my own self-recognition to do those events. Uh, and in this case, it's for youth mental health. And I chose youth mental health, in particular the organisation called Reach Out, because uh, young people don't, they don't like to talk about their problems. I mean, m- most, a lot of people don't. But uh, uh, in the old days, we would pick up a phone, we'd speak to Lifeline and we would say, look, I'm about to jump off a cliff. I've got nothing else to live for and I need your help or I need someone to talk to. Uh, and then they'd talk them through the situation and talk them down. Uh, young people don't do that. Young people will send text messages prolifically. Uh, they don't like to hear their own voice. They don't like the, to be, they, they find it easier to string the words together through a text or through a, uh, through an email than they, than they do through the verbal way. And so for that reason, Reach Out is very, very successful in this field. They're doing incredible work and they're supporting young people and we're trying to support their work. So, the youth suicide rate in Australia has jumped astronomically over the last two years because of COVID and I dare say throughout the world. Um, particularly in Australia, if you can imagine a whole lot of young people, they're just, they were struggling enough with their school studies in year 11 and 12, which is uh, um, uh, their high school years. Uh, and then they come to the final years of their schooling and they're looking forward to going to university and then all of a sudden there's these interruptions. They can't go to school. They have to stay at home. They, they, they can't do the exams on time. A whole lot of things have interrupted that. So it's hard enough as it is. Then they've had to compete with that. And then they finally get out into the workforce and they might get their first job to try and help them through uh, a university course, which they haven't been able to start yet. And then all of a sudden the whole catering industry is shut down. So there's no waiter jobs, no waitress jobs. There's no bar jobs. There's no entertainment jobs. And so all of those jobs that people get as part-time positions normally are gone. And they're wondering, they're sitting at home, they're wondering what's it all about and whether they even do have a future. And it's incredibly depressing for those, for those people. And so from there came... 1,000 miles to light, trying to shine a light, trying to show them that there is some light out of this tunnel, that uh, we, we all go through dark times in our, in our life. It's a matter of pushing on regardless and trying to find something positive to aim towards. And, that is, uh, and, and that's symbolic of this run and uh, symbolic of the times that we live in. Well, one thing we can do during COVID is run. And I want to know how you feel ultra running in particular can impact mental health running far. Well, let me, let me tell you, there's, there's one moment I'll never forget in my life. I was doing a run in the Middle East. I did Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, and Palestine. And uh, 
as I was going through those places, I remember in the Palestinian territories as I went through there, uh, the Palestinian Olympic team or parts of different Olympians came out to run with me uh, and that in itself is a bit of a funny scenario because a lot of them just simply never get to the Olympics under that banner. Uh, but nevertheless, they were in the occupied territories and uh, they came out to run with me. And this one girl was running along with me and she was so happy to run with me. Uh, and she said, I feel free. I feel free. Uh, and it was a freedom that I had taken for granted and didn't realise uh, just the ability to be able to run, to be able to breathe fresh air and, without restriction. And it was then that I, I, I recognised just how fortunate I am and what I truly get out of running, and it is that sense of freedom. Uh, freedom from within to out. Uh, because you can be in a, a confined and enclosed space and so long as you feel free, you are free. Uh, and uh, when you start to examine yourself best and you feel that sense of freedom, it's liberating and it's uh, exhilarating and it helps you to achieve great things. Uh, and in that moment, that young girl felt that she was achieving something great, although for many people in the Western world, they would see it as being such a minor thing because they take it for granted. Uh, so, you know, without a doubt, that's what I get out of ultra running. Uh, and the opportunity to be grateful for every single day the sun comes up, the opportunity to travel to vast lands and different lands all over the place, and not necessarily the best hotels in the world or uh, the most prestigious places, but to be able to see how other people live. You know, I've been down through um, Panama, the, the Central America places where when the sun goes down, there is no electricity in the homes and so they can't sit up and read a book or watch a TV show, uh, places where they have a dirt floor, many, many places uh, I've been to where they have dirt floors rather than tiles on their floors or carpet or central heating, etc., etc. and yet the people are happy uh, and they get on with their lives and, and for that I come back to where I live and I feel so much more fortunate and and I just try and embrace what I've got and try and do the best with what I've got. And that's what I get out of ultra running. That's, that's extraordinary. And I, I really want to touch on your toughness. I mean, you're known as someone that is extremely tough and has staying power. Now, is this something that you were kind of born with or something that you developed over time? No, it's definitely something I developed over time. Uh, with the old Sydney to Melbourne races in the 80s, I was always uh, the youngest, uh, even with the run across America that I did uh, from California to New York. Um, I was always the youngest in those races uh, in those days, and um, I learnt a lot from the older runners. One of the things I learnt is that as you get older, you build up more stamina. There's no two ways about that. I think life itself, you're uh, supports you in that, but also your ability to deal with uh, less sleep than you would normally when you're younger. That helps enormously. Um, uh, so you've got more waking hours, basically, to get the job done. The second thing is, um, second thing is, uh, you build up toughness and resilience through breaking through barrier after barrier after barrier. I mean, we all we all know the marathon runner. And they talk about how they hit this wall 
Now, at that point in time, you either push through the wall and you get a second wind, a second breath, and you feel fresh again and you can push on and finish the distance done, which normally happens around the 30, 32, 35K mark of a 42K run. For ultra runners, it happens much later, but it always happens in every race. But Or you quit at that point in time. Now, if you quit at that point in time, when you get to the starters line of the next race, not only have you got that playing in your mind, that failure from the event before, but also you don't know how what's on the other side of that 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 wall. Once you push through it, you realize that you're capable of something greater than what you were prior to that. And every single time you come to a race and you push through a new barrier, a new wall, it may be through a lack of nutrition, it may be through extreme heat conditions or extreme cold, it may be through... Um, uh, a lack of hydration it may be through just physical fatigue or it could be for a whole raft of reasons but every time you push beyond that you get stronger within yourself uh, and I today am the sum total of Pat Farmer or Patrick Farmer who was the little boy that pushed beyond those limits from start all the way through to where I am in my life now and that sum total uh, makes me the tough the the tough person that I am now not exactly the smart person that I am now, but the tough person that I am now. And I say that because I keep doing the same things over and over again. In a lot of cases, I, I even keep making the same mistakes. But I know that even when I make a mistake, I can find something beyond that to, to dig deep to, into and to be able to push beyond it. Yeah, that's so well said. I think that we build resilience and toughness through proving and providing illustrative examples to ourselves that we have gotten through something like this or tougher before. And it's something that we can't borrow from other people. We can't buy other people's experiences. We need to actually experience it ourselves, right? Absolutely. It's, it's that sense of self-confidence. You'll see it every single time. Uh, somebody stands up to the side of a sim- swimming pool if they've never swum before in their life, they're nervous about it uh, um, and they're not sure whether they're going to survive or whether they're going to drown. Uh, when somebody's already been in that pool before, they get to the sideline and they're just about to jump in there. They're going to go through. They know it might be a little bit chilly. They know it might be a little bit rough in the waters. They know that they might struggle, but they know that they can get through it and get to the other side because they've done it before. And it's just that resilience through experience. And uh, you have to, this is why you have to live it. You know, you can read all the books in the world. You can talk about all the things in the world. But you actually have to get out there and you have to experience it and build the self-confidence within yourself uh, to, to move beyond uh, wherever you are in that point in time in every aspect of your life, every aspect of your life. Mm, I think that there's this point in time when people are going through their self-discovery or personal development journey that they put down the thousand books and they realize the books are all saying the same thing yeah. and they just need to get out there and do it. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. It, it's so true. If you listen, like listen to myself, you listen to Charlie, listen to some of the, some of the great sportsmen and women in this world in every field, it doesn't matter whether it's boxing, whether it's swimming, whether it's running, whether it's this, whether it's that, the underlying message is very similar and that's because we're all simple human beings we all we breathe air we take in food we take in water uh, and we survive 
But in order to survive, we need to have purpose in our life. We need to have somewhere to go to. Uh, when people lose purpose in their life, they just curl up in a ball on the side of the road beside a building uh, and they're just waiting to die. And, and we've all seen those homeless people on the side of the road. We've all seen people like that. The alternative to that is that you actually believe in what tomorrow could bring for you. Not necessarily today. Today can be terrible, but uh, you believe that there is a better tomorrow. And it's that belief that helps us survive as humans and look to the future through very, very difficult, tough times, whether it be times of war, whether it be times of famine, whether it be times of disease, uh, no matter what, it's uh, that belief that the sun will come up tomorrow and there is a better day ahead and that I have a plan in my head of what that better day is going to look like. And it's that visualisation uh, for runners, it's what's over the next hill and visualising that or visualising the finish line uh, and seeing the success of that moment. Uh, for uh, everyday people, it may be getting the dream job or getting the job, finding the person that's the love of their life or, or getting the house, the boat, the whatever it is that they're after. Or, um, but it's, it's, we, all, we all need to dream. We all need to have goals. And, and once you take that away, you break the spirit. Once you've broken your spirit, we're good for nothing. Just with that, given some people have lost their work and their jobs and their careers through COVID, and a lot of people are identified with their worth via their, their job or their career, what would you say to those that are looking for purpose that have lost their jobs? Like how can they re- spark or re-engage that 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 passion in a word run in a word run go out there and run until it's hard to breathe until you hurt a bit and then keep running and then when you do that then you'll finally find a serene place within yourself and you'll start to discover yourself and you start to think about the things that matter when you run like that it's almost like you've just jumped under into the water and you're under the water uh, and all of these problems that you had were so significant. But once you're under the water, the only thing that matters is getting out of the water and getting some air. And so all of the other stuff fades away. All of the things about do I have a job, don't I have a job, do I have a house, don't I have a house, do I have this, do, do I have that? it fades away and you come back to the basics and the basics is I need oxygen into my lungs and then I'll worry about everything else after that. When you run, same thing happens. So get out there and run. Hurt a little bit physically because they're hurting in the, on the inside mentally. They're hurting spiritually and they need to hurt physically so that they can justify that hurt and then they've got a place of something that they can put their finger on and cure uh, but you can't necessarily put your finger on the spiritual hurt or the mental drain that you're experiencing. So just run, run, run with me, become part of this event that I'm doing. You know, I'm having a virtual run that will coincide with the run that I'm doing, the thousand miles to light. So look, uh, it's going to morph before I start this event. It's going to morph more 
uh, and that's because of COVID, that's because of restrictions. But I don't care if I have to be on a pogo stick and around a, a four-metre four uh, grass area and just move from corner to corner for 1,000 miles worth of distance. I'm going to get something done. And the reason why I'm going to get something done is because, uh, one, I, I'm obligated to the American athletes that I've brought out here that uh, are superbly going through the, the sacrifices of lockdown to be able to be part of this and to inspire people with mental health problems. And number two, because there is a virtual run that's going to coincide with this event through Running Heroes, and everyone can find that through either 1000milestolight.com or runningheroes.com. Uh, and they can sign up to that and do something in their own backyard and run in camaraderie with us for mental health. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick break to thank you for your continued support of the Ultra Habits Show. It's through your support that we've been able to scale this thing so quickly and so strong over the past year, and we're truly grateful for your continued support. If you haven't already, please go to www.ultrahabits.co and subscribe. You'll get cool information, insights, and be up to date with everything we're doing. And also, if you haven't, please rate this podcast the link is in the show notes. When you do this, you help us scale our message of ultra performance, ultimately helping us create more impact with our tribe. Anyways, we're going to leave you back in the hands of our wonderful guest. You just touched on an extremely um, good point and something I wanted to talk to you about your tendency to create public events aligned with great causes how does that level of accountability drive your level of sense of responsibility to finish things? Well, you know, I realized a long time ago that you can have a whole lot of plans in your heart and unless you express those plans, they ain't going nowhere. If you, if you announce to the world that you're going to do something, then you're hit with the realization that, well, everybody's watching me now, I better actually do this. Uh, and then you've got pressure on yourself. So I'm continuously putting pressure on myself by being a public figure and by going out there and by doing what I have to do and what I say I will do. And the one reason why I still get sponsorship, uh, the one reason why I'm able to travel all over the world and do the things that I have done in some of the most remote and in some case crazy places places like the Darren Jungle, the North Pole, the South Pole, deserts of the world and everything else in between, is because people have now come to the realisation that if Pat tells you he's going to do something, he'll actually do it. As, as unusual and as many difficulties that there are thrown in the way, somehow, some way, he will, he will do it. So I want to back this guy because I know I'm going to get a result. Uh, I'm not sure what the result is, but I know that it's going to happen and I'm going to get a result. And that's people want that certainty. They want that surety. And if they find somebody that they can follow, that they can believe in like that, like I'm always telling my kids, I have two children, Brooke and Dylan, they're growing up now, but they still, they're still my, my, little, my little kids in my eyes. Uh, I'm always telling them the world is looking for leaders. You know, they're looking for someone to follow. Everyone is looking for someone to follow, somebody who believes with absolute certainty and surety in their mission in this life. 
because we all doubt ourselves from time to time and we're looking for somebody that is so certain that they believe in something that I want to be like them. I want to be, I want to have that certainty in my own life. And so they will cling on to you and they'll follow you. Let me give you an example. Everybody in the ultra world, everybody in the running world uh, has seen Forrest Gump, the movie, right? There's a section in that film which I can identify with where he's running across America and somebody says, why are you doing this? I'm just doing it because I wanted to go for a run. And so they want to discover why he's doing it, so they run with him. And the numbers keep swelling and swelling and swelling. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about. People are not sure why they're following somebody, but they want to know why and they want someone to follow. We all, we're all looking for true leadership in this world and there's a void there, especially at this moment in time. How have you seen that phenomena of people looking for leadership unfold within the political and business arena? Look, uh, um, let me be totally honest with you. Uh, I figure it's the only way I, I, I ever can be in these things that, um, I, 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 spent, I spent some time, uh, nine years as a federal politician. I came into politics completely out of the blue. I'd finished doing the run around Australia for our centenary federation, linking together all our states and territories and trying to show all Australians that we are one country, one country, Australia. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm so upset these days because I'm seeing this division. I'm seeing us being torn apart as communities uh, and it's not the Australian way. Uh, the Australian way is unity. Uh, the Australian way is we're Australians. I never go overseas and say, uh, you know, I'm from, I grew up in Granville, even though I grew up in Granville. I go, I'm Australian. And then when people drill down, they can find out more about me. But I'm Australian first and foremost. And that's what we need to get back to. Now, what happened was I did that run and I, um, the Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, was so impressed with the unity that I created through that run and the vision for the future around uh, federation that um, he asked me, would I consider going into politics? And I have this simple philosophy, and I hadn't considered it before that point, but my simple philosophy is opportunities come along in our life, we either take them or we live on regret. Now, most of the time, we don't know if something's an opportunity, but I would much rather try something and realise it's not where I want to go than to have a, the regret of always looking back saying, maybe I should have done that because maybe that's what where my destiny lay. So for that reason, I thought I'll give it a shot. If it's meant to be, I'll get elected. Well, I got elected and I spent nine years in that position. While I was there, I worked tirelessly not to be a grandstander down in Parliament House in Canberra where all the papers would report on every speech I made and how eloquently I sounded and how well I looked in a nice three-piece suit. What, 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 what I concentrated on was I was given this amount of power and I used that power to try and get things done for the people in the area where I grew up in, which was Western Sydney, which was lacking a lot of infrastructure, a lot of support, a lot of finances. Consequently, I got new, a new medical school built out there at the university, which they hadn't even thought about or hadn't had on their agenda. I'd gotten uh, roads built. I'd gotten a hospital, a hospital uh, um, new private hospitals built, uh, um, so much stuff done. 
a more than a billion dollars worth of infrastructure built. But the reason why I mentioned that is not to talk about how, how, how good I was, but just to say I never stopped being the person that I was, and that was a grassroots person who understood the issues. Uh, what happens and what I've observed, sadly, with a lot of politicians and a lot of people in general in different fields is they'll go into something because of the noblest of reasons. And then after a while, they become that person, this new person. And with politicians, they get so used to people calling them sir or ma'am or bowing to them or opening the doors for them and harping on every word that, that comes out of their mouth, they start to believe this is who they are, this is their identity. And then what happens is after that, they compromise their values to stay in that position because this is who they are in their own mind now. And so then when they start to compromise who, their values, they lose who they were. They are what everybody perceives as being a typical politician and they've lost their way. And that's why ordinary Australians or ordinary people in the world become so disillusioned with their leaders because they've lost their way. They've lost their way and they need to step outside their bubble and have a look back in. And often it's not until you get out of politics and you realise what matters to ordinary people again, you know, that you realise that you were in that bubble. Uh, but it happens to everybody. It happens to a lot of famous people in show business. It happens to a lot of very, very successful athletes that are financially, all of a sudden they've gone from poverty to being incredibly wealthy. I see it happen with the footballers and the cricketers all the time uh, and they change and they'll do anything to hang on to that and they lose what this life's really all about. And we've, you, you know as well as I've done, we see so many very, very wealthy people uh, and, you know, they realise after they've got all this wealth that they're not happy because they've lost what life's really all about. No, that's so well said. People go in with good intentions and start to drink their own Kool-Aid. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because we're moving to Victoria and, you know, I've got kids and we're really worried about getting stuck at the border. We won't have an address in New South Wales. We're moving to Victoria next week. And it really dawned on me the lack of federal influence in this country. Yeah. And it seems like a pissing contest now between the premiers and we're really worried we're going to get stuck at the border with nowhere to go. So I take on board what you're saying. It's quite relevant and uh, it's definitely an issue. Yeah, it's almost like divide and conquer, which, which, which is sad because like a lot of these politicians are good people, but they've just, they've just sort of gotten power hungry and they've, and they've, and and anyway, look, the, the centenary of federation, one of, a couple of the points I was pushing through with all of that was I was linking together all these, all these states and territories with one man's single footsteps. And the message was if one man can do this by just putting one foot in front of the other, imagine what we could all do if we worked together as one nation. And it was about reflecting on the last 100 years of our history, realising the mistakes that we'd made to the Aboriginal people and learning from those mistakes, mistakes, festering up to it, acknowledging it, and then moving forward together as one, as all Australians. Uh, um, it was also about, you know, I, I, I would often speak about, oh, how lucky are we? We've got all these states and territories that come together as one nation 
and we're not we we don't have different currencies like they do in Europe. We don't have different languages. We all we all all acknowledge each other, and we're all under one umbrella. It's so much easier to do business this way. So much easier to work this way. Uh, but um, that's the federated model. But the states try and hang on to and retain this power. And it's I understand the sense of identity. It's a beautiful thing to see state origin happening and the states versing each other or states versing each other in athletic events or with anything. But at the end of the day, it's important that we come together and acknowledge that we're all one people, we're all Australians. And if we did that on a global scale, imagine what a world that we would have instead of segregating us. But but people in positions of power retain that power by having those divisions and um you know, I'm I'm really getting off track now, but uh, these are the things. No, I no, think I think about. it's relevant. Yeah, well, these are the things I think about when I run. This is why I run. Like I, I'm a complex person. I'm I'm not just. I don't just run, but I think, and the running and the thinking are both one and the same. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So, I am super super um, spewing because I was gonna go to Byron Bay and interview yourself and Charlie and Dean. That's what I was talking to Charlie about. My mother-in-law lives out there. And I'm also spewing that I didn't know that you're actually living in the same part of the country that I do in New South Wales. So where do you run locally here, just as a matter of interest? Well, you know, there's some amazing trails uh, through Budai National Park uh, um, uh, on the central coast. There is some uh, some fantastic trails all through there, all around the central coast. There are some amazing trails, of course, not too far away where, I, where I'm isolating at the moment here in Newcastle. I've got the soft sand, uh, the soft sand uh, on the northern side of Newcastle Harbour that stretches all the way up to Port Stephens. So you talk about sand dunes. I cut my teeth on the sand dunes of Cronulla in the early days when there was significant sand dunes there. I used to run there for uh, eight to ten hours a day in preparation for uh, the run across the Simpson Desert, where I went out and broke uh, Ron Grant's record racing across the Simpson Desert, and also to prepare for other races throughout uh, across the, across America and other parts of the world. So, so I love running in soft sand. I love the isolation and the difficulty of those sorts of regions, but also uh, you know some of those country trails and and, and mountain trails. I love trail running. I, I, you know, I was part of a team which was two Americans, uh, one Australian myself, and one Japanese runner that took on the Gurkhas and won the um, won the hundred the hundred kilometer race in Hong Kong, the Trail Walker, which is a famous race, and that's where Trail Walker originated from. The Gurkhas had won it fourteen years in a row. We were put together as an international team under uh, um, the banner of Moonbat, a Japanese company. To go over there and to and to win that race, and we did. But it was uh, it was a great run, a, a very tough run through the mountains of the New Territories in in Hong Kong and the mainland. Yeah, that's extraordinary. So two things there. I lived in Cronulla, and I used to run the sand dunes okay. in 2012. I still have an apartment there. It's nowhere near the height I think it used to be. In fact, I was there when someone passed away. Someone was running it that shouldn't have probably been running it as hard as he was and he passed away the second part of that is i find uh the great northern walk is my favorite trail 
and I'm actually yeah. running Konjiwoi tomorrow. So, huh. yeah. so uh, yeah. So look, uh, we do we do run some of the same trails. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and I think this—it's these familiarities that we we find with runners all over the world. Uh, uh, you know, just it's 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 a love and a passion, but it's 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 primal. There's there's nothing to you. Don't need a motorbike underneath you. You don't need a fast car. All you need is a pair of shoes, and in some cases, you don't even need that. You just need to put one foot in front of the other and get out there, and you can relate to the other people doing the same. Uh, I want to get back to the days where you pass a runner and the other runners coming the other way. And you, you still wave to them, you still say hello, and and that sort of thing. I'm seeing in Sydney, I'm seeing in uh, in, in Australia at the moment, uh, people are not saying g'day to each other as often as they used to. People are not as friendly as they were. We're all scared of catching something or or saying something out of line, and we've got to get back to what Australia is famous for, and that is its friendliness. <laughs> It's well said, Pat. I mean, even through this video, I can feel your your leadership and uh, just your impact of what type of man you would be to be around not only at work or politics, but running with. So um, that's quite extraordinary. So what would you say to the individual out there that's looking to increase their capacity with resilience, build their willpower? How would you recommend they do that? I, I say this. None of us know uh, what day we're going to fall off the perch or what day we're going to close our eyes and never open them again. And so I mention that first and foremost because it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. The only thing that matters is that you start. You start. So don't say, I would have done this, but I'm too old for it now or I'm, I'm a bit old to take up running now or whatever. All you have to do is start. And then what it is is it's, you are the future person of who you are today. So you are the sum total of the actions that you take today. So you take some action, you put one foot in front of the other, and tomorrow you build on it and you build on it the day after and you build on it the day after. And after a month or so, you look back and you realise you're a better person than what you were when you first started. After a year, you look back and you realise that you're a new person and after two years or five years, you're content with the life that you have and it's become a way of life for you. So it's that a whole mathematical theory. You know, we are the sum total of everything that we have done before this moment and we will be the sum total of everything that we do from this moment on into our own future. And, we, and we've just got to keep reminding ourselves of that. But you don't get any total unless you actually start. I think we'll leave it there, Pat. Before we go, where can our audience find you, and when they can, where can they learn more about the run? Well, uh, you know, I'm out there, uh, patfarmer.com, uh, so you can jump onto my website. Uh, the place I'm steering everybody to at the moment is our our website for the run, which is 1,000 miles to light. And rest assured, in some way, this event will go ahead, and we will complete 1,000 miles. However, we do it. In, in line with how with the restrictions that COVID is placing on us. But we will do it. So uh, just go to 1000milestolight.com and through there you can you can click on to find out all about Reach Out, the wonderful organisation that they do, uh, that they are and the support that they give to youth uh, in, in this country. 
uh, for uh, mental health issues and you can support them. Uh, or you can also click and go across to um, the Running Heroes page and become part of the virtual run and stay in contact with not only myself but the other three Australian runners and the four American runners uh, and ask us any questions that you want about anything to do with running life in general or the 1,000-mile race while it's actually unfolding. Thank you so much for your time, Pat. My pleasure.